It's time to expect more from urgent care, like caregivers who take time to listen, smooth access to local specialty care if you need it, virtual visits and save your spot convenience, plus easy access community locations. And we're open 365 days a year to treat your sprains, cuts, fever, and flu. Northwell Health Go Health Urgent Care. Get more than you expect and exactly what you need. Welcome to a new era in urgent care. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by Bloomberg. The economy is getting back underway and with it the world of pro sports. Stay ahead of the curve with unparalleled tools of two world-class news desks covering development across finance, economics, technology, and of course, sports. And that's why you're here. Subscribe to Bloomberg.com. And if you're not already an, a The Athletic subscriber, for a limited time, receive a complimentary subscription to The Athletic. Go to Bloomberg.com slash subscribe to sign up today. Again, that is Bloomberg.com slash subscribe. BSBOT Game 7 versus the Vancouver Canucks, 1994 Stanley Cup Finals. We took two weeks off. I don't know if you heard some ping pong balls went our way. We were going to finish this, but hey, you know, some good things happened. So here we are talking about the, the game where the Rangers win the Stanley Cup Final. Got a chance to watch it today, Gregory, recording this on a Tuesday night after both of us are in food comas. And watching the game, there's so many different feelings you get because... I think if I would have watched this game before the Rangers came back, you know, before we had hockey again, I would have been more emotional. I would have been more attached. But now that I've been watching hockey again, it was less of a refreshing feel to watch the game. There was so much that happened here. The Garden is absolutely going crazy. Sam Rosen is at his prime. There's one thing I'll talk about Sam Rosen later. And everyone who is like this key core four performance and and Kovalev, of course, on top of the core four, like everyone performs their own, their own way. What, like... What was your general reaction to, to, to game seven before we get into the nitty gritty? Uh, well, first, first questions first. Have you ever watched game seven before? Um, I was a child and I've watched highlights, but I haven't watched it in full. So this is my first time. I never, I've never watched, I've never watched it in full before. I watched it today, like in, in the mid afternoon. Right. Um, I also didn't, I had been cheating a little bit and I had checked to see what the final scores of a couple of the games were before watching mm-hmm. i didn't do that for this game i guess mostly because i, I knew i knew the rangers were winning <laughs> well we knew the rangers so were winning, I, yes. I did yeah so like i didn't i didn't 110 percent need to try and work back to see how they did it so it was a completely different experience in that regard um yeah it was it, uh i don't want to say it was anticlimactic it wasn't that's not the right word for it the Rangers led throughout, which was important. Um, it never, it never really felt like, even when the Canucks made it a one-goal game, it never really felt like the outcome was in much doubt. Uh, there was one scramble late on in yes. front of Richter where things got a little hairy. There's the, that's but the outside one I'm of that, up, yes. there wasn't a whole lot of doubt in this game mm-hmm. for me personally that the New York Rangers. I, I'm sure some of it, if if we were watching this live in 1994 oh, and we didn't know the yes. New York Rangers were going to win, I'm sure my stress levels would have been higher. But as as someone who is just passively being able to watch a game in hindsight, it didn't feel like the New York Rangers had a lot of moments where they were in trouble. Right. With the exception of that massive scramble in front of Richter. I think I think with five minutes remaining in the third period, you can, you can kind of get a little tense. You can start feeling it. But let's talk about all the nitty-gritty of the game, right? Let's start from the beginning. 
Well, let, let, before we get to the game, let's talk about the national anthem. Okay, I, have, I, I didn't get a chance to I watch these. I kind of skipped through them, so you hit me. Oh, I, I watched them. I didn't fast-forward anything. I just want to point out, first of all, I am a big, and I have been a big team no anthem before professional sporting events. Right. Olympics, yes. World Cup, yes. International tournaments, yes. When, when all the players on one team are of the same nationality, yeah, national anthems. Do it big. That seems great. I just Ranger fans viscerally booing Oh Canada. It's just illogical. When you especially when you think about it from the perspective of the Canucks best player is Russian and the Rangers captain is Canadian. So what are you doing? Like what what are you doing? You're booing the city of Vancouver. Sure, fine, whatever. I get that. As someone who viscerally hates the city of Philadelphia, I'm all for a rivalry against the city. It just, it doesn't make any sense when you're booing O Canada because the team you're playing is from Vancouver. It's like ignoring the fact that Mark Messier is Canadian. Adam Graves, Canadian. Kevin Lowe, Canadian. There are a lot of important Rangers in this game that are Canadian. And there are a lot of important players on both teams that are neither nationality. So what the fuck do they care? Sergei Zubov, does he give a shit if you're booing O Canada? Absolutely not. No. Does not care. Pavel Bore, does he even realize you're booing O Canada? I don't know. Probably not. It's just like, to boo O Canada doesn't make any sense. And then I get that it, it's pretty cool that Ranger fans are just loud as hell and cheering throughout the playing of the Star Spangled Banner. That's great and good. And maybe that got Brian Leach out of bed, but I don't think it impacted Brian Leach at all. It just doesn't make it. I, I don't get it. I, I, and I know that like these anthems are thought about in fond terms when it comes to Rangers history and I get that I'm probably in the minority, and I get that some people are going to hate this opinion of mine. I just think you're fucking flat out stupid for <laughs> oh. booing O Canada. Yeah, that's and true. I just, I like straight up. Well, I think that's as dumb as the Potvin sucks. Uh, so my case today, or rather my question right now in response to this is, do you think, let's say we could have in some otherworldly uh, universe we live in, people in arenas, and the Stanley Cup final happens this year, and one team's from Canada and one team's not. Do you think that happens again today? Well, that with people actually being in yeah, the do you, do you um, th- if you think do you think people would boo O Canada yet again? In twenty twenty, I would hope. I would hope not. I think I we're think, I think we're past that at this point. Well, I think I will say this: nineteen ninety four. I don't think there were uh, nationalistic undertones. Correct. Right. I I think if someone is booing. A national anthem these days, the conversation immediately becomes political. It's, it's totally different. My, my point about them booing O Canada has nothing to do with politics. This isn't a political take for me. Mm-hmm. It's just the physical practice of blowing, booing the national anthem of a country where a team is from <laughs> when not everyone it on is, that team is from that country is just illogical. Super nonsensical when your captain yeah. is literally from Their best Canada. player is Russian. And our, be- our best player is Canadian. So yeah, well, maybe not best player, but the most like the most face forward team on the New York Rangers. Right, of course. Like Brian Leach is right up there with Mark Messier, but your team captain, team captain, Canadian, and I'm sure Messier didn't give a shit. I'm sure Messier got a kick out of it. Like I'm not trying to defend Mark Messier's Mm -hmm. personal opinions. He doesn't need me to do that for him. He says that his personal opinions are spoken fine every time we start one of these podcasts. I just from where I sit. As the 31-year-old that I am in the year 2020, Mm -hmm. not only do I think national anthems before sporting events are outdated and corny as hell, 
I just like the immediacy of the the immediate thought I had in my head is this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I love that that was your like your big take from Game Seven right off the rip. It's like okay, right is, off the rip, right is, off the rip. The I was just like, Rangers win the Stanley Cup. They're booing okay. Yeah, they are. They're just the amount they are booing O Canada. I was like, give me a break. So, just plus, I O Canada is such a better national anthem. It's it's pretty good. It's fun. It's too. it's top tier. I if I my national anthems, it's my number two, and it's only behind God Save the Queen. I, was, I knew I knew God Save the Queen is going to be number one. I wonder I'm how a many big God Save the Queen guy. How many national anthems can you name out of curiosity? Um, <laughs> I don't know the name of the French anthem, but I, I I'm familiar enough with the French anthem because of uh, the, the only the only anthems I know by name are the the three that the exist. big three. O Canada. Those are my yeah, top. Yeah, o three Canada, also. God Save the Queen, and I'm the not going to order them. Um, so the game starts and MSG is fucking rocking, like rocking. In a way, like how many times have you heard it like that, even just on TV? I think MSG were, specifically. I was thinking about uh, this too because I think you were at one of the games where it was like that—the Capitals game versus the Capitals game. But game it wasn't seven. like that going into the game. There was. This is. I will let me put it this way. I think that kind of fervor mm-hmm. is only created by decades upon decades of futility, and I say that because. I've never heard Yankee Stadium like that, but I've heard Shea Stadium and City Field like that. Right. And I think it's because that kind of noise is only created by a fan base that is fucking desperate. I'm sure 96, some Yankees around there, you know, they had, they they were in sort of a drought. Even then, it was still like 20 some odd years. It wasn't that long. Like 2015 was like the year 2000 Mm -hmm. wasn't as insane as 2015 was from. Met fan pandemonium perspectives because it had been, it only had been 14 years in the year 2000. And once you got to 2015, you're talking about 30 years. So people are getting antsy and people are, are now understanding that this kind of stuff doesn't happen every day. So we're talking about that, that kind of sound is only generated by 54 years of nothing. That it, it's, that's it. It was astounding. Like you could feel the energy through the screen. Um, it's something I'm jealous of that I, and I hope to be, able to experience myself one day um hopefully in the future but the whole crowd was just going absolutely bonkers and i have to tell you jd and uh sam are like in prime condition right out the rip they talk about um how the vancouver players have all taken turns in the hyperbolic chambers uh all of them went into like two different chambers and they went in for like you do know i i got made fun of for not making fun of you for this uh earlier hyperbaric Oh, did I call it hyperbolic? You did. Huh. Okay. Hyperbaric it, it's chamber. Not, it, it, it's not a chamber of hyperbole. Hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Well, hmm. all right. Fair. I will accept my mistake. But they got into the hyperbaric chambers, um, which hey. is like the third time they've mentioned this this series as like it's this big, great advantage for the Vancouver Canucks. And like, they're getting all that true oxygen. I was like, what is that? What is true oxygen? Like, are they super oxygenated now? I don't understand. Um, I feel like that the, the term true oxygen takes on different meaning in 2020. Yeah, for sure. Um, so right, right off the rip, everything is going crazy. Um, and I just feel like right from the beginning, the Rangers manhandle this game. To be honest, I think you can make a really strong case that the Rangers should have won this game like 6-2. Six three, like I know that Vancouver had some scoring chances, and we'll get to one major one later on. But how many times did the Rangers just miss scoring in this game? It's like right away. Brian Leach comes out. Um, it's 
about 11 minutes into the game. It's the first goal of the game. And Brian Leach gets the pass from Zubov after Messier draws a double team. And Zubov hits Brian Leach, like, by himself. And Brian Leach has all goddamn day to take a shot here. He takes, like, three seconds to wind up and take a shot and scores. And the place explodes. Like, just yeah, that goes I, out of its mind. I will say, um, mm-hmm. Brian Leach continues to be awesome. The, the second most pressing thought I had from this game, and it's because he had such a big influence in the two the first two Ranger goals, mm-hmm. I just can't imagine the mindset of winning this Stanley Cup and in the next five years, ever thinking, I bet I can do this again, but without Sergei Zubov. It's so strange, isn't it? It's it just it doesn't it it's never made sense. We've we've I know we've harped this point so many times throughout the uh, the process of this little project that we're doing, but specifically in this game seven, the exclamation point that Sergei Zubov puts on it, and then you even think about the fact that later in the game, Jeff Bukaboom essentially misses the entire second period with a knee injury and how much more responsibility Keenan was giving to Zubov in that period where the Rangers don't relinquish the lead. I just can't imagine watching this specific game seven when you win the Stanley cup and ever wanting to trade Sergei Zubov from a purely team building standpoint. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And the one thing we have, we'll talk about like our takeaways from this series at the end of this podcast, but Zubov like getting traded and some of the future trades that the Rangers made and how much they really leveraged to win this cup is one of the biggest takeaways because Zubov's incredible this whole series. He just is an absolute stud. There's no there's no other way to put it. And I still think Kovalov and him somehow don't get the proper credit they deserve many years later. And by the way, someone who we've been um, sort of poo-pooing um, in these, these this recap series has been Adam Graves. And he, he has a good game seven. He really gets does. The, he gets the second, gets the second all important goal from Zubov to go two Oh, and it, it, it's massive. Yeah. And Graves is uh, right in the front of the net there. Um, he's all by himself and they, they pretty much break down the play. I think Sam talks about how he was always going glove side and this time he goes stick side and, and Graves is a big part in the first goal too. Even though he's not, a, he's not a credit. He has a screen set up in the, in front of the goal. It's a really great game for Adam Graves who had disappeared, not scored 10 goals, uh, not scored in, not scored 10, obviously not scored 10 goals, but not hadn't scored a goal in 10 games. And it's frankly been truly invisible and showed up when it really counted most. So it's, it's nice to see Graves and the Rangers come out in this first period, like lightning hot. Um, there were some other weird takeaways in this first period. I thought, I don't know if you noticed the comment that Sam made to JD where he was like, just so you know, the Vancouver uh, Canucks flew out all the wives of all the players and they're stuck in a charter plane above the building. <laughs> I was like, what? I didn't, I didn't catch that line. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. That, 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 did they wait until the day of the game to fly him out? I guess so. He's like, they're all above the building now. They can't land. They can't find a place to land. It's like the beginning of the second period. I was like, what? So all the lives are for the Vancouver Canucks aren't in the building. I have, I have such a hard time believing that the greater tri-state area is someplace you can't land an airplane. Not only like go outside New York city, right? LaGuardia and JFK. Even if you take those two out, there's Teterboro, there's Newark, Mm -hmm. there's Stewart up in Newburgh. There's Hartford. If you really want to go into Connecticut there are so many airports in the greater New York City area that it is literally impossible for me to believe you can't find an open runway. In 1994, 
mind you, when there aren't as many commercial flights as there are today. It's it's just like, can you imagine like okay, Vancouver lost this this game, but you can you, can you imagine if they win and it's like, where's my wife? Oh, she's stuck in a charter plane above MSG. <laughs> like, well, I also I also need to know okay. um, flight time between Vancouver. Vancouver. I think it's six hours. Has that would be. make sense because it's essentially Seattle, right? Yeah, I think it's six hours, something like that. Uh, see a lot of seven hours. Yep, that's. A I think long, most of these involve most of these involve a short layover. Why would but you still, fly them out that day? Why would you? Why would you, as a human being, get on a plane for a seven-hour flight without knowing you'd be able to land? Because you know what. You know what's most fun about a seven-hour flight? The eighth hour that you weren't expecting <laughs> to be on an airplane. Love that one. Big fan. Um, all right. So the Rangers are now up 2 nothing. The crowd is going, like I said, bonkers. And they can feel it. And there are some people in the crowd. There are some former Rangers. Rudy Giuliani is there. Um, a lot this... of Rudy. A lot of Rudy in the broadcast. So a lot of Rudy. Um, was there any other notable people you, you saw in the crowd? Uh, I remember they did a big cutaway to Anthony Mason, who was watching the game from the tunnel. Yep. Yep. Uh, the, because Nick, that, the Knicks GM was there, the, I believe. Yeah, that Ernie Grunfeld was there. Yeah, yep. that's the other just batshit crazy part about this time in New York history. The Knicks are in the finals. I know. The, the Knicks, How crazy The Knicks is are that? playing the Rockets. Like, I th- this is why, like, there's a part of me that always goes back to uh, my favorite 30 for 30 that ESPN ever put together is June 17th, 1994, and just how batshit insane that day was. It's the OJ Chase. It's Rockets Knicks at MSG. It's the Rangers uh, Parade of Heroes. It's Arnold Palmer's final round in a U.S. Open. It's Ken Griffey Jr. hitting, I think, his, like, 30th home run, and he's the fastest player to 30 home runs in a season since, I think, Maris and Mantle back when they broke the record. Um, it is an absolutely insane sports day. If anyone hasn't seen that 30 for 30, I haven't, I can't recommend I'm it. I'm seriously going to watch because, it for real. Yeah. It's the best, the best part about that, um, 30 for 30 as well is there's no narration over it. It's just, Oh really? Uh, it's just the feeds from all of these things happening. That's hype. Spliced over each other. That's hype. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's my favorite 30 for 30, but like that, that's another thing that's just crazy to me. Cause I don't know. I think we've talked about this before as well. I can't think of the next time the Rangers and Knicks are both going to be good enough at the same time yeah, it's where like it's 20, viable for them to be in the finals. The 2045, time. 2050. That might be yeah. too soon. Like, I yeah, don't know. Like those, those Ranger fans are insanely thirsty for a title, but it's been 20 plus years since the Knicks won a title as well. And the overlap between Ranger fans and Knicks fans in 1994, one to one. Everybody cares about everything. There is no niche sport in New York at that point in time. So not only are those fans just thirsty for a cup, as soon as they win the cup, they become feeling entitled for the NBA title. Got to tell you, spoiler alert, doesn't end as well. Yeah. Can you imagine though, if the Knicks won in 94 too? That I can't imagine been... the Knicks winning. Yeah. Can't imagine Actually, the Knicks I don't winning. know what that feels like. I would probably be a big, big time Knicks fan if they were run anywhere near as, as well as the Rangers were. So the Rangers are up two nothing at this point. Then, mm. then, the second period comes on. It's really just a kind of kind of a back and forth. It is a little bit of rough. Like there is there is there's not a lot of penalties called. Did you notice that they didn't call like? And Sam Rosa points this out like nine times. There's like 
I think four or five times legitimately where they have too many men in the ice and Sam calls it and Vancouver just never gets called for it. And JD's like, yeah, they're just not going to call that one. Uh, it's too, too big of a game. And Sam's like very confused as to why they're not calling the too many men in the ice in Vancouver. Like, yeah, multiple I mean, times. also Jeff Bookaboom gets speared in the neck. Yes. By a stick. He gets a stick and no to the neck. That. And but to be fair, oh, Glenn Anderson is I, bleeding from the face and they don't call it. Now, to be fair, um, wh- while it is just disgusting that Jeff Boogaboom got speared in the neck, Jeff Boogaboom is, uh, during this time, ramping up to lay off what would be considered one of the dirtiest hits in the world if it were to happen today. So, like, he's he's going full bore at a player that doesn't have the puck and leaves his feet. So it's like Jeff Boogaboom himself is trying to commit murder. So it's hard for me to then be angry that someone tried to commit murder on Jeff Boogaboom. But... I understand that referees, or at least before this playoffs, where referees are calling everything and anything, that referees had a history of putting their whistles away and just letting the players play. I've always hated it. Uh, I hate it even more in this game seven because this. there are points in this game where it's not a hockey game. And it's just, I don't know. I just it, 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 It'll never sit right with me that officials change how they approach a hockey game because of circumstances that are outside of their own personal control. It's it it does seem strange though. Like when when Glenn Anderson is bleeding, like he gets hit, there's blood on the ice and they're like, "All right, you got to get him off." Like, "What? There's blood on the ice. Where's the 4 minute? What's the deal?" <laughs> I don't understand. What am I missing here? Like it was was that not a rule back then? Am I just not understanding that? I don't understand. What am I missing? I mean, hook, hooking as we know it was not a rule back then because all Craig McTavish does is dig his stick into opposing players, stop skating, and let that opposing player drag him along. It's incredible how often Craig McTavish does everything that a hook is. And everyone's like, they even call it hooking, but they're not calling Like, Sam and JD will say McTavish is hooking someone, but they don't mean it in the sense that a penalty should be called on McTavish. They're just saying what he's doing. Right. And nobody seems to have a problem with it. It's it's insane. I don't, I don't know... The, the whole series is called so so strange, and especially this Game 7. They, they mostly let him play until... Okay, so let's, let's talk about when Vancouver scores here. Uh, Trevor Linden, who is probably the best player in this game other than Beret trying to make stuff happen. Linden, by the way, is about to have 12, 12 points in this series um, and is probably one of the better players for, for Vancouver through, through the entire series, obviously, is 12, about to have 12 points. Well, I... I... We even when the series started, we said that Vancouver was basically a two-person team. Yes, and the Rangers, for the most part, avoided Peak Bore, but they didn't avoid Peak Linden. And Trevor Trevor Linden's really good. He's I don't know if he is a Hall of Famer. He should be unsung um, in this situation. Played till 07, by the way. So pretty. Yeah, long Linden Linden's the kind of guy a lot of people forget. When I think when Ranger fans think back, casual Ranger fans. I don't want to accuse all Ranger fans of thinking this way. But when you think back to the 1994 Vancouver Canucks, I would say everyone and anyone knows Pavel Bore, and they would almost say only Pavel Bore. But I, I think Trevor Linden is is maybe not as important as Bore, but Trevor Linden's the reason why this game, this series goes seven games. Yeah. I don't think there's any question to that. Linden from 91 to 94 is a very, very good player. Most, mostly 70 points per season. 94, he has 61. But it, and then two years later, is 80. That's, that's his prime year. Then kind of falls off after that. But really, just 
unbelievable this year. And you, you see him at the game at the end of the ice. They kind of focus on him. And he's just on all fours. Like, look, I, I can't even imagine what that feels like, you know, playing your heart out like that, scoring two goals, doing everything you can. And just you're, you're on the other team's ice as they celebrate their first Stanley cup, knowing you'll, it's very unlikely you'll ever see it again. It's a, uh, man, it has to be what is a terrible feeling at that point, but I have to give it out to him. He played this hard out, um, and he scores a goal here with an assist from Brian Gwynn and, and Pavel Burry. Um, so now it's 2-1. And then, then things kind of get interesting. End of the second period, well, middle of the second period comes, and this is where the game-winning goal comes. And this is always the conversation that happens. Um, you know, I've had a bunch of people tweet at me, like, you know, who scored a game seven goal? Uh, and it's, it's really a quagmire in front of the net. And it, they, they have it here statistically as Mark Messier assisted by Adam Graves and Brian Noonan. I mean, he never, he never touches it though. Yeah. I think it's very, I think it's very clearly a Vancouver defender puts it in the net. So it should be Noonan's goal. I have a delivery just so you know, thanks for everyone. Oh. Yes. The post, you, uh, it's, I uh, just want to point this out. It's eight thirty-five, and the post office is here and they're ringing my doorbell. Okay. Oh, all right. Again, with your pro post office takes. Unbelievable. <laughs> You're sickening. Two times. You're sickening. Two times in a week support the USPS. All right. On that note, let's take a quick break. Sure, the regular season is fun and all, but only one thing can compare to the excitement of the basketball playoffs, and that's having skin in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Basketball has made its way through the regular season, and now it's time to crown a champion. And DraftKings Sportsbook is putting you at the center of the action. To celebrate basketball's first round of the playoffs, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you an amazing free bet offer. For every day that you bet at least $20 on basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook will give you a $10 free bet. Head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, quarter-by-quarter, betting, and so, so much more. Plus, don't forget about hockey playoffs. DraftKings Sportsbook is offering great odds and promotions all week long to help you make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable betting app. And you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code QUICK when you sign up. And for a limited time, all users can get $10 free bet when placing a bet of $20 or more on all first-round playoff action. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out by offering $10 free bet when placing a $20 bet or more on all first-round playoff action. Again, that's promo code QUICK. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey only. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for detail. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back to the show. Yeah, um, you're disgusting. Oh, yeah. Grow up. All right. Um, so it's a quagmire. And Messier doesn't really touch the puck. And JD says it right is away. It, is, it, is it a quagmire, though? Like, here's... Noonan dies. People want it. It's, it's, not, it's not a quagmire because it's very simple. People want it to be Messier for the narrative. I know. But it, it just wasn't, well, that's it what wasn't I, Messier. That's what I want to talk about here is, is that I feel like Brian Noonan doesn't really get brought up in Rangers legacy legends ever. Like when's the last time you heard about Brian Noonan? Uh, before we started doing yeah, this, before we started doing this, never, I never heard it. Never yeah. Heard of that's Brian. what I'm saying. And like, this is the guy that tactically scores the game winning goal. And just they, because it's Messier. What if it was Tikkanen instead of Tikkanen instead of Messier? Do you think Brian Noonan is now like part of like the Ranger hall of fame nights and everything? Like, I just, I'm very curious as to what would happen if it wasn't Messier in front of the net. Yeah, but I, my, the funny thing for me about all these narrative talks, Ryan, could you, off the top of your head, name me who won the 1986 World Series MVP? No, absolutely not. Ray Knight. Okay. <laughs> Did you even know Ray Knight played for the Mets? No, I have no like, idea. Like, when you think about the 1986 Mets, do you think? I don't know them as well as you never thought of Ray Knight in your life. I, yeah, I don't know them as well as you do, but I definitely know that I don't know who no, Ray Knight No, but you know, you know, you know Daryl Strawberry. I do. I know a lot of the players, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, you know Dwight Gooden, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Keith Hernandez, Ron Darling, Gary yep. Carter, yep. all these guys. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing that confuses me. Like, you don't need Messier to score that goal to like cement his legacy or his narrative. He already had the hat trick in the guarantee game. Right. Like he doesn't he doesn't need this game winning goal in game seven. He doesn't touch the puck. It's Noonan's goal. It's scored by a Vancouver defenseman, but it, Noonan was the last ranger to touch the puck touch the puck. So at this point, Messier scores, it's three one. Game seems like it's gonna be pretty tight at this point. Then we go to the uh Oh, is this where they score again? No, this isn't where they score again. Or Mark the Mark Messier hooking. No, they don't score on this one. But Mark Messier gets a hooking call, and it's kinda like the he looks at the refs like, How could you dare call this on me? <laughs> it's like you know how Mark Messier's gotten like two penalties this entire series and then all of a sudden every single time he gets like a penalty he's like i'm the god i'm like literally the captain how could you dare call he seems to be very pissed off i i did yeah they score in the power play here is, is it the tikkanen oh it's the craig no, mctavish it's roughing. not it's not a it's not a technical power play the rangers were on the power play right. leach commits a penalty on i believe it was bore trying to score the uh shorthanded goal and then in the midst of that penalty being called, Trevor Linden scores a goal that negates the Leach penalty. Got it. So Leach gets called for a penalty but never goes to the box, essentially. Got it. Got it. Because Linden, Linden, out of nowhere, well, not even out of nowhere, McLean comes off the ice, Linden becomes the extra skater, a beautiful outlet pass to Linden, who the Rangers didn't have marked at all, mm-hmm. and Linden undressed Mark, Mike Richter. Yep. And he's And Richter is Trevor Linden really good, guys. Really fucking good. And Richter's incredible in this game. There is a save he makes in the third period. Let's just get right to the is third it. Period. It's when he, is it when he stacked the pads? Yes. Twice? Yes. And there's also the glove save when when literally I, I've never heard Sam Rosen like this. Like I can't describe it another any other way as Sam Rosen going primal. He goes, save my Richter! I would have said I would have said I would have said orgasmic Sam Rosen. Yeah, he like the the glove save he makes and then Kevin Lowe, all credit to Kevin Lowe. There's a puck that's like sliding into the net, and Kevin Lowe is just there, like, to to, to clear it after it gets past Richter, and that would have been the game tying goal, and that had to be a heart sinking moment for Vancouver fans. They end up scoring in the third period with five minutes remaining. Trevor Linden puts it in again on a power play um, from from uh, Courtney and and Cliff Ronning. Well, again, technically not a power play because right. they never actually went on the man advantage. Correct, correct, correct. And from from there. Things get a little tight, but I ne- again, I never feel like the Rangers are going to lose this game, even though I know, you know, I'm sure if you're there and they do call like multiple icings. Um, I think, I think the third period would have felt different if we didn't know what, if we didn't know I'm sure. at the end of this game, the Rangers were raising the cup. I'm sure because that's the case. The, the, the Richter sequence where he's making save after save after save and oh, low clears the puck. It's beautiful. It, like that moment, I like my pants would have been full of excrement. Yeah, at that point, there's no other option. I agree uh, can I just that. say, since we're bringing up Kevin Lowe now, I, it's not to, it's not to jump forward or anything like that. We're kind can of. Can I just say how so, yeah. stunned? Can I just say how stunned I was that Kevin Lowe was the second guy to hold the cup? Yeah, you did can. You, I did. I did watch I, the cup ceremony. Yeah, I was very. I was, I, in my head, I had just assumed that it went like Messier to Leach to Graves. Right. But when when he immediately hands it off to Kevin Lowe. I know that I know Messier has a long history with Kevin Lowe from the Oilers going back yeah. to all their Oilers years and all that good stuff. And I know that Kevin Lowe was massive in this series, but it's like Brian Leach won the consmite. Don't you think he should get first dibs on the cup? After also, Brian said? Leach, like when he wins the consmite, is just so awkward. 
<laughs> he like smiles. He's just, he's just Brian Leach. Yeah. He's like he's never happy. It's Brian crazy. Leach is never happy. He's just like I am great. He's you know what Brian Leach is? He's Tim Duncan. Yeah, he's kind of like that, right? Look, Tim Duncan's like yeah. is funnier in the fundamental way. He just like is. But, but like Tim Duncan on the court, there was no emotion. None. At any point. Zero. Or unless you his, eye, tell his eyes if, get really wide. That's it. Yeah, you couldn't tell if Tim Duncan was having a 30, 20, and 10 game or if Tim Duncan was like 0 for 4 from the field to begin the ball Same game. Same dude he, every game. He was just Tim Duncan. Unbelievable. And that's Brian Leach. Yep. In a nutshell. Yeah, it was strange. Like the, the Messier moment where he like smiles and throws his head back, like which is the iconic cup moment. Um, was obviously great to watch, but I also what what a fucking buzzkill to call the icing with a second left. Unbelievable, dude! And they 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 miss another too many men on the ice. They call it they call the icing with thirty seconds left too, despite like yeah, like 30, 35 seconds left. Yeah, despite like the guy like clearly holding up there and not skating at full, and Sam and JD are losing their minds. Like it's it's a really strange end of the game, but it, there's never a point with the exception of like the Kevin Lowe clear where the Rangers seem like they're gonna lose. Even then, it's it's, yeah. it's going to be a tied game, so it's yeah. It but I just the the balls to call an icing with one point one seconds in the game seven is ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. Um, I guess that that ends it. The Rangers win the cup. A moment to be cherished. Uh, what is the exact line? Fuck this. This moment will live uh, this in infamy. <laughs> this one lasts a lifetime. Yes. Uh, Sam Sam like ha- starts going on his rant, and then they call the icing, which is like strange because. I think, but it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice because he sticks the landing the second time. Right. It's like the first time he's kind of just saying words and is very excited. Yeah. But it's almost like the icing gave Sam a minute to step back and be like, "Hold on, hold on, I have one for this. Let me think about it." And then they drop the puck again. He's like, "This one lasts a lifetime." It's like, "There you go, Sam." Yeah. Well done. I like that better because obviously it's an iconic line that I just forgot a second ago. But on top of that, the, the the lines he was saying beforehand were not. There were going to be like the, those all-time lines. He was like, goodbye, 1940. You know, like all these things that were kind of like a little cheesy, but also great in the moment because he was so excited. And he really nailed it on the second try. So kudos to I Sam. do wonder. I do wonder. I, 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 don't, I don't actually think this because I think the Red Sox did a lot of it to themselves. But I wonder if Ranger fans uh, dug in so hard on the 1918 stuff with Red Sox fans in part because the Rangers had to deal with all the 1940 chance because like mm. think about it think about it today it's like no one goes to nicks when the knicks are on the road no one's chanting like 73 right no no one no you... one looks at the mets and says 86 to the mets nobody but i wonder if part of it is because the mets and the knicks are so depressing that you don't need to bring up the I last do, yeah time. i think especially the knicks like the mets have had recent success as, as much as you don't like to like you know Talk about it. You guys have well, been a good... I, I talk about their success all the time. I'm just... It's marred in failures. Of course. Well. But yeah, you have been a successful franchise over the past 20 years in, in many different ways. But the Knicks have never done that. They did it one year. Like, it's miserable. The Knicks are another level of sad. Yeah. The the Knicks... No one, no one really talks about the last time the New York Knicks won a title because no one can envision the Knicks being in a situation to win another title to make it even worth discussing the fact that they haven't won a title in... XYZ years like with the Knicks are so depressing that people just talk about the last time they made the playoffs they don't get themselves to the point of the last time they won a championship yeah remember J.R. So Smith that's how you get excited about the Knicks it's crazy it's like well like Lynn Sanity was a championship for the Knicks oh essentially. my god three weeks in the middle of like November but it is it is crazy it's just like it's funny to think about an opposing fan base chanting 1940 as if that is like 
in the, in the moment, I'm sure it would piss me off all the time. But as as a fan of a, of teams that have never had years chanted at them, I mean, Yankee fans love the 1918 chant. It's it's some it they ate that shit up more than I think they ate up the Yankees winning World Series. But well, it's well, like you had so many World Series races at that point. Like, what else were you gonna do? Yeah, at that point, you have you have the one thing to hang on. But no, like, two thousand that didn't come back. It's a good thing that thing didn't come back to bite them in any way, shape, or form. Um, yeah, it kind of did, huh? Well, then the Mets traded away Mookie Betts, so whatever. I mean, uh, the Rangers. The Mets? The, sorry. Yeah, I was about to sorry. You would have want to try again? Third time's the charm here? Uh, the the Red Sox traded away Mookie Betts. And, there you go. And if they would have uh, just waited, your Mets would have probably bought him out. There you go. So they're, you know. We would have bought out Mookie Betts. You How are we going to buy him out? You would have signed him as a free agent, et cetera. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. Yeah. But it's okay. It's okay. I've, Ryan, I've, I know you wanted to keep this podcast evergreen, so I'm just right. going to say this once. Mm-hmm. I'm so far down the JT Real Mudo is going to be a Met rabbit hole that there's no coming back. I, me, I, so knew, I knew before you said it. Um, yeah. So let's final. You're the one that brought it up. I didn't bring I, it up. I, I was talking about I understand. Chance. I understand. Last, uh, last, let's do a takeaways for the series. Yeah. De- the Devil series, I thought, less Mark Messier than I expected. The hat trick. The Devils, to me, this. I wonder if you feel the same way. To me, the Devil series was the series the Rangers won the cup. Same. Because it, it was it was a lot more of a coin toss. This it was insane. The Van, it was uh, the Devil series is one of the most insane series I'll ever I've I've ever watched of any hockey period and a story. So much fighting, so much overtime, so much intense great hockey and great goaltending by the way for both sides. And no, and not not to mention the fact that the Rangers were on the brink of elimination twice. Right. And this Vancouver series, despite it going seven games, like and all credit to Vancouver. An awesome team. Probably shouldn't have been there, but an awesome team. Uh, they were like a, a, way, to, a, way to get way to get that one insult in there as you're praising them. Had, had to get it in. Great, so, great team. Amazing team. Didn't deserve to be in the cup, but, but great gr- team. Great team. Sandwich it. Sandwich it. And they're one goalpost hit away from the being swept in this series. They really are. Yes. Um, yeah, and and it's. I know we've taken some time off from revisiting this series, but it's the fact that the Rangers were at home for game five up three games to one and the series didn't end there. That is kind of insane. Even the two games, the Rangers lost after winning game four, there was more of an inevitability feeling to it that you never felt with the devils. Honestly, there were times where watching the devil series, obviously we all know the New York Rangers won the cup in 1994, but there were times during the New Jersey devil series where I was like, do they, am I remembering this correctly? Did this work out for the New York Rangers and when it's all said and done? It's, it is strange because, like, the Devils series, you look at it, it's like, whoa. Like, this Devils team is incredible. Like, there's no doubt about it. They're like, they just have so much goddamn talent. And Brodeur's a goddamn rookie. And to watch those teams fight was amazing. The Vancouver series is much less so. It's Game three is worth a watch because it's just a, a boxing match, like an MMA fight. But is there another game that, like, really stands out? Because I feel like every single Devils-Ranger game, with the exception of maybe one, was just incredible start to finish. Yeah, there are moments that stand out in individual games. But, like, even game even game four, when Richter stuffs Bore on the penalty shot, like, that game itself isn't very memorable. But that moment is ingrained in Ranger fans' minds. You can't... You have to watch all those games against the Devils. There's like the only game you can skip is the game where Mike Keenan quit in the first period. But outside of that, it's like the game itself is Frazier Ali on a nightly basis. Whereas against the Canucks, it's 
more of a collage of really great moments from a Rangers fan perspective that ends with them raising the go to the cup. It's, I, it's almost like a such like surreal like watch it like you said watching the Devils series you don't think like you even though you know the ending like oh do they actually win but when they play the Vancouver Canucks it's like oh okay they might actually do this um, my other takeaways are Kovalev and and uh, Zubov just get totally don't get enough credit like at all period end of story I never want to see Craig McTavish ever again um, there I think Messier like. The legend of Messier is bigger than the actual play of Messier. Um, but I think what he did for the team in general was leadership-wise yeah, and everything else is, the, is, is in place. The legend of Messier for the casual Ranger fan is how you should actually feel about Brian Leach. That's exactly it. And that's my final takeaway, is that Brian Leach is better than I ever imagined him to be, and I can't believe that's possible. Yeah, like... Everything you think you feel about Mark Messier is what you should actually feel about Brian Leach. Now, I understand that Messier is more personality. Personality plays a lot more in New York than it does anywhere else. Messier is the captain. It's not like Messier is a bad player. I mean, he, he had a lot of important moments for the Rangers during the Stanley Cup run. But Brian Leach is what won the New York Rangers the Stanley Cup. Not even close. He beat Brian Leach with the help of Alexei Kovalev and a one-game assist from Mark Messier is what beat the New Jersey Devils. But from start to finish, every game was about Brian Leach. Every single one. Because it was either the storyline was either Brian Leach is special or the storyline is, wow, I can't believe Brian Leach wasn't here for this game two against the New Jersey Devils, and that's why the Rangers lost. Because they benched him. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, Brian Leach, literally the GOAT. Literally. Hey, this has been fun. Yeah. Glad we did it. Um, was cool to relive 94. Not sure we'll do another relive series for a long time. Um, if we do, it'll probably be capital series. I'm assuming, but that's probably, well, about it. yeah, I, I, people have asked us if we'd go back and do a rewatch of 2014. No, I think, I think one, one, it's still too fresh. Yeah. Like you, you don't need us sitting here only you, six years after it happened to you break know what down happened. every moment, why it doesn't happen. Yeah. And then two, it's just like. It's the same reason why I have no appetite to go back and rewatch the 2015 playoffs. It's like, who wants to remember a losing effort? It Nobody. Sticks. It sucks. Um, and yeah, you'll remember all the moments through the sad tweets that we make throughout the years. So we'll figure something out. We'll do something else in the, in the future, but maybe we'll do some like individual games that we missed or throughout the way or something like that. Yeah. I, there, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to go back and rewatch uh, the Capitals game seven with the step on overtime winner simply because I don't remember a whole lot of it. Yes. Even yes. though I was there, even though you were there, yes. uh, I remember how it ended and I remember everything that happened to me after it ended. And then I remember my mad dash to try to get back on an airplane to get to Savannah to go to work the next morning. <laughs> Unbelievable uh, job by you, Greg. Incredible that I didn't get fired. Uh, also incredible that I didn't get thrown off the airplane, neither here nor there. Um, yeah. It just, a, a, as morbid as it sounds, there's just, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, we talked about it with, uh, Lafreniere yep. earlier on Monday's show about how like there haven't been a whole lot of moments like the Rangers winning the lottery in terms of actual game feel the last couple of years. So the last ten years, man. Like yeah, it's in the last fifteen. I think I'll go fifteen. Yeah, haven't been a lot of those. I mean, maybe if you, if you have any ideas, send them our way. We'll talk about them. All right. Yeah, uh, but but they're like they're they're fleeting. It's the Mika five goal game. It's Panarin doing a couple fun things. Yeah, and that was all it's like the last like two years. Like, you know, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And there, there are some playoff series where the team goes far and like has fun. Like, obviously, the Pittsburgh 
Uh, Penguin comeback down 3-1 Mother's Day game is a big one. Like, you're going to talk about that. But the rest of that season, like, someone was asking, like, wasn't 2014, like, a real fun season? Like, no, man, it really wasn't. Like, up until they, Marty, like, came over and, and like, performed some magic. Like, even then, like, the rest of the season was, like, just okay? I don't know. Uh, 2015 was a magical season to be in the President's Cup trophy winners, but, you know, we all know how that ended, so that's just what it is. All right. Uh, send us some ideas if you guys want. Follow me on Twitter at O'Reilly Follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. And we'll be back next week. See you guys then. Thanks for uh, listening to our rewatch series. Bye.